morning, everyone. How are you today? You know, I probably say this every year, but I cannot believe it's December. Can you? And with that, of course, comes the whole idea of uh, gift giving, and uh, I only usually have to buy one or two gifts, and even then, I... It's not like I do the greatest at that, but I actually enjoy it once I get around to it. I don't think I have the, the love language of gifts, but I, I have loved, enjoyed giving gifts for as long as I can remember, and I have the videos to prove it. So if you look at some of our old family videos, um, for some reason, every Christmas we videoed, and it's the same picture. It's our girls who were oh so grateful um, unpacking their gift and, and going, oh, oh, mom, dad, oh. And then they come over and there's the hug and the kiss. And uh, as they're holding up these ugly, baggy overalls that we gave them, but they're just so grateful. And I'm so grateful that styles have changed. And then the, then the next year, it's the same video replayed, only a different gift. You know, they, they open their gifts and it's like, Oh, mom, dad, and they get off their chair wherever, where they're sitting, and they walk over, thank you so much, and it's just, it's just wonderful, gushy, uh, great thing, and so that, you know, for, for as long as I can remember, as, as a dad, I've enjoyed giving gifts, and the anticipation that comes with, with just thinking how they're going to enjoy this gift we've given them, the fun they're going to have, the satisfaction, you know, all that that they're going to experience once they've unraveled and begun to engage with their gift. And I've wondered, is, is this a reflection of our Heavenly Father? Today we're going to continue our series in uh, the Gospel of John and his perspective of the Holy Spirit, a series we've called With Us. And it's all about the Holy Spirit. And elsewhere, not in the Gospel of John, the Holy Spirit is called the gift of God. And I think that the Father has that same anticipation about us experiencing, opening up, receiving, and walking into, and enjoying the gift that he's given to us. He had his prophets prophesy about this gift for hundreds of years. That's, that's how the Father anticipated this gift coming, that there'd be a time when this gift would be given and opened up and received. And for hundreds of years, he had his prophets Tell us that this gift is coming. It's so important and the magnitude of it immense. So this morning I want to summarize all the things that we have learned in looking at the Gospel of John and the Holy Spirit from his perspective. I'm, I'm going to take some significant time to do that, to recap that. Now if someone was to ask you, who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? How would you respond? Well, this morning we're going to look at what John has been careful to tell us, and I'm, I'm going to go into a, a teacher mode where a teacher would give a list of things. This is not usually the way I would, I would talk, but today that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at a list of things about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 14, and we're going to start there. Let me read in verse 16. Jesus says, And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you 
and will be in you. If you've ever had difficulty wondering, like, who is this Holy Spirit and, and wrestled with coming to terms with the Holy Spirit, this verse, these verses are extremely helpful. Helpful. Jesus says the Holy Spirit is another helper. The word is parakletos. It means one who comes alongside. And when Jesus said another helper, he could have used two words for that word another. The word heteros could have been one, and it means another of a different kind. But that's not what Jesus used. Jesus used the word alos, which means a different in number, but of the same. In other words, Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit is just like me. So if you get the context of John chapter 14, at the beginning of this chapter, Jesus has told his disciples, I'm going to the Father, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God the Father but through me. And he's told his disciples this. Philip says to him, Jesus, just show us the Father, and we'll be all right. Jesus says, Philip... Don't you get it? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am just like the Father. What you see in me is the Father. And now he's saying to the disciples as he's leaving, and he's going to go, but he's going to leave another helper, and he's saying, do you guys get it? Just like you see me, that's what the Holy Spirit is going to be. So Everything you know to be true about Jesus, who he is as a person, his nature, his quality, that's the Holy Spirit, the same. Another who is the same, coming alongside the Holy Spirit is another helper. And what this means is that the Holy Spirit is God. Now we know this uh, from reading elsewhere in the Bible. For example, in the book of Acts, there's a story of Ananias and Sapphira and they, they lie in the amount of money that they've given um, and laid at the apostles' feet and um, they are called up short and, and the apostles said to them, you have not lied to man but to God because you've lied to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. Now we know when we pray, generally how we pray is empowered by the Spirit through Jesus to the Father, but the Holy Spirit is God. You can pray to him, you can talk to the Holy Spirit, you can worship the Holy Spirit. He is God and he is eternal. In John chapter one, John talks about how Jesus was the word. In the beginning, the word was with God, the word was God. All things were made through him. And we know as we read Genesis one, that there also the Holy Spirit is hovering over the waters. The Holy Spirit is eternal God. And we know that he's a person. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is described as a force or a wind, but he's a person just like Jesus another helper. He's a person. We can have a relationship with him. Although he is spirit, the spirit is is not physical. We can have a relationship with him. We know the spirit has joy. We know that we can, in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. He's God. He's a person. The Holy Spirit is truth. You know, we yearn for truth. Even, uh, it's almost like right from the beginning, as a child, we ask the question, why? Why are things the way that they are? We want, an, we want an explanation for things. We want an explanation for the traffic jam that's blocking our way in front of us and so our car weaves over so we can have a look. We want an explanation as to why our politicians do the things that they do, made the choices that they've made. 
We want to know why. What's, we want to get to the bottom of things. What's the truth here? And, and the bigger truth question that all of us have lingering in the depths of our being is why? Why do I exist? What is the truth about my existence what is the truth about God? And the Holy Spirit leads us into what is true. He connects the dots. He keeps us from error. He shows us what God is like. He shows what God has done. He helps us to understand the big story, God's big story, and how do my circumstances make sense? There's immense difference between lies and truth and the trajectory that they send us out on with eternal consequences. The Holy Spirit will lead us into truth. In this passage in John chapter 14 and verse 26, sorry, verse 16 and 17, we see that the Holy Spirit is committed to us. Jesus says, he will be with you forever. Sometimes when we're in a relationship, uh, we've experienced abandonment. We've experienced when people have bailed on us, and sometimes that's happened because of things we've done that's caused people just to say, okay, I'm, I'm done with you, I'm done with this relationship. And we experience abandonment sometimes by our own contribution. But we need to know the Holy Spirit is with us forever. We can grieve him, but he's committed to us. Like he is so committed to us. He's for us. And he's so for us, he's so with us, that he's with us in the sense that Jesus said, he, you, you've been familiar with him. He's with you, but he will live in you. The Holy Spirit lives in those who believe in him. I mean, this is amazing. When you think of residence, when somebody takes up residence with you, if they move into your home, uh, for example, um, what, you know, there, there's, a, there's an understanding that there's going to be communication. There's going to be relationship that goes, that goes on. There's going to be intimacy it's dysfunctional when people live together under the same roof and, and they don't talk to one another. There's, you know, there's no back and forth. Jesus lives in you. God, person, the spirit of truth, committed to us, living in us. Amazing. Let's go on to John chapter 14, verse 26, and John writes this. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit teaches. I mean, this to me is so amazing. I don't know if you've had a class, university, or school where your teacher didn't really know the subject. Or you could tell that they didn't really care about what they were teaching. There's no passion. There's nothing going on. And of course, the worst is when they don't know what they're talking about and they have no passion for it either. They don't care about that. Now think about what Jesus is telling us here about the Holy Spirit. He's going to teach you. He's the great teacher. God is going to teach us about God. Isn't that amazing? God the Holy Spirit is going to teach you about God. God knows his subject. He created this world. He knows how it is to function. He created the systems of this world. God knows you intimately, personally. He knows everything about you as a person. He created you. He knows what makes you tick. He knows, what's your, he knows your uniqueness, what you're all about. He's your teacher. 
He knows exactly what you need as an individual and as the Holy Spirit. He's not confined to one place with one person. For each of us who believe in him, he can come to us and teach us individually as we need in the place that we're at. The Holy Spirit is not concerned about classroom size. That is no big deal to the the Trinitarian union. And so he comes, and when we can't bear something, he'll wait and he'll teach us when we're ready for it. The Spirit knows what we can bear, and he will never mislead us, but always guide us into the truth. And he will be speaking the same curriculum as Jesus. Jesus says he's gonna take what's mine and he's gonna make it known to you. So what Jesus taught, the words that we have recorded, that's what the Holy Spirit especially is going to work with, the Word of God. And that's why he says, he will bring all things to remembrance. Those things that I've spoken to you, the Holy Spirit is going to bring those things to remembrance. One of the things that I've realized about myself is that I forget a lot. I read a lot, and I forget a lot. And I've looked back sometimes at... um, Papers I wrote when I was in in school studying, and I can read them, and and sometimes I go, and I think I've told you this, wow, that's really good. (laughs) Who wrote this? Because I, I really hardly remember any of this. Jesus says the Holy Spirit, when you need something, and you've heard the words of Jesus before, especially through reading his word and studying, in the right times when it's needed, he's going to bring it to remembrance. Now, in the in first century, when oral tradition was so important, it's how they passed things along so much, was orally, not by, you know, didn't have a printing press, didn't have computers, uh, word processors. So much was transmitted orally. This was so important. The Holy Spirit would remind them of, of the words that Jesus had spoken And today we live in this privileged place where those words are recorded as empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we can read them and we can memorize them ourselves and then the Holy Spirit can take that and teach us and remind us. So note to self, it helps to give the Holy Spirit content to work with so that he has something to remind us of. The Holy Spirit teaches, the Holy Spirit reminds, the Holy Spirit guides. In John chapter 16, verse 12, he writes, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. I'm so thankful for that. It reminded me, of uh, we had traveled to Japan a number of years ago and had little clue as to the language or the customs, but it wasn't stressful at all. It was like no big deal. Why? Because when we were there, we had constant companion. We had trustworthy friends who would inform us everything that we needed to, to know in the moment. And when we had to go somewhere, they would, they would take us and they would make the transfer on the subway where it needed to be made and pay for the tickets that needed to happen. Like they would guide us wherever we needed to go. And it was so stress-free. And it reminds me of how God wants us to live Guided by the Holy Spirit, he's going to take us where he wants us to go. And we never exhaust the landscape of God's truth where the Holy Spirit wants to take us. So whether you've been a Christian for like five weeks or whether you've been following the Lord for 18, 30, 40 years, there is still a landscape of truth that the Holy Spirit wants to take you into. And he'll guide you there if you let him. 
The Holy Spirit, John 16, verse 13, declares the future, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Let's remember when this is written, Jesus is leaving. He has not yet gone to the cross. He has not risen from the dead. He's not ascended to the right hand of the Father. These are things yet to come. The Holy Spirit will probably bring understanding to those future things because these are the things the early disciples focused on in their preaching, the depth of which we never stop learning. But I think when, when, when John declares this, through, or Jesus declares this, we shouldn't discount that the Holy Spirit can still reveal the future to us in the moment where we are, things that are yet to come, things that we might need to know just around the corner, future events, even as we see in the book of Acts, there's a guy named Agabus who's a prophet, and he prophesies to Paul that if he goes to Jerusalem, he's going to be bound up there. This is part of what the Holy Spirit does. He teaches, he reminds, he guides us in all of this. The Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus. This is like the passion of the Holy Spirit, to glorify Jesus. He will glorify me, Jesus says, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So just as Jesus taught the Father's curriculum, so the Holy Spirit is going to teach Jesus' curriculum, only now he's also going to help us to know who Jesus is and what the meaning of these, these works that Jesus has done and through the cross and his resurrection and the ascension. So we need to ask ourselves when, when we encounter experiences and they are attributed to the Holy Spirit, one of the bottom line questions should be, does this glorify Jesus? Because that's his passion. What's the focus of all this? Is it Jesus? Because that is the Holy Spirit's passion. He will glorify me, Jesus says. We read elsewhere in John, the Holy Spirit gives life. If you remember Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman, he says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, like if you knew who I am, give me, you would ask, give me a drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus gives life. And we read then in John chapter 7, just a few chapters later, Jesus again uses the illustration of water. And he says, whoever believes in me, there's going to be like rivers of living water flowing out from you. And we talked about, as we look at this scripture, how we have this thirst as human beings. We, we're thirsty for, for depth, for meaning, for truth, for more. And so sometimes we try and satisfy that thirst with all kinds of things. And we go all kinds of places and we find ourselves addicted and we find ourselves still empty. We still haven't found what we're looking for. And Jesus says, if you just, if you just know who to ask, you'd ask me. He says, I will... I will give you living water, and whoever believes in me out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And John helps us to know what this means. He says in, in verse 39 of John chapter 7, Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. We thirst. Jesus is the answer. And in him being the answer, he is going to pour out his Holy Spirit, which spills out into the life of the believer. It not only satisfies those who believe in Jesus Christ, but it spills out of them and it brings life to, to the things that they touch, to the relationships that they have and to, to the things that they do. It brings life because it's not just them. 
It's the Holy Spirit working in and through them. The Holy Spirit empowers worship. We talked about that, that God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The Lord wants his spirit to be working in us. Imagine every time we gather together to to worship God, not just in our daily life, but when we gather together corporately or in a community group and we spend some time in, in really intentional worship through prayer and praise. Imagine if we said to God, Holy Spirit, would you just help us to do this well? And the Holy Spirit coming and empowering us to do so. He wants to do that. Last week, we saw how the Holy Spirit bears witness to Jesus. John 15, verse 26, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So we know that we've been called to testify to Jesus, but we don't do it alone. The Spirit works with us, and he is like on mission to testify to Jesus. We read in Acts how he did this, where he confirmed the word that they were preaching. So as as his followers proclaimed the words of Jesus, the Holy Spirit worked powerfully. It says in Acts chapter 14, verse 3, so they remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord, And the Lord bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. And as he's bearing witness, the Holy Spirit convicts. John 16, verse 7 and 8 testifies that Jesus, when he sends the Spirit, the Spirit will come and convince the world of sin that they need Jesus, that they're lost without him. He'll convince of righteousness that Jesus is the righteous one, the only one who could rise from the dead because sin could not hold him and ascend and be in the presence of the Father at his right hand. The Holy One. Only Jesus is righteous, truly righteous, and able to dwell in the Lord's presence. And that he is the judge of the world. And one day all of us will give account to how we live our life and especially what have we done with Jesus? Have we received him or have we rejected him? But that judge came to be our savior so that salvation can be had in him alone. The Holy Spirit is at work to convince people of this. So when we, when we share what this hope that we have within us, it's not for us to try to convince other people. This is the work of the Holy Spirit and what he does. It's just for us to be faithful The Holy Spirit, another helper, God, the person of God, the spirit of truth, the one who's committed to us, who will live with us forever, who lives in us, the one who teaches us, the one who brings all things to remembrance, the one who guides us, the one who bears witness, the one who testifies to Jesus, the one who empowers This is the gift of God to his people. That's the Holy Spirit. And to those who believe, Jesus says, that spirit will be with you forever. We may be uncomfortable with the concept of the Holy Spirit with the person of the Spirit. Sometimes we have seen things that have been attributed to the Holy Spirit that have put us off. And so we might be uncomfortable with talking or thinking, embracing the Holy Spirit. 
But just as it's uncomfortable sometimes for people to receive the person of Jesus when they haven't stepped into that relationship and and, and they have to go past that uncomfortableness to embrace the truth that is there, the same for us. We need to get past any discomfort that we have and just look at the truth of what God is telling us about his spirit and embrace it. We would never say, well, I... You know, I love the Father, but I I reject Jesus. We would never say that because we know to reject Jesus is to reject the Father. Well, how foolish would it be for us to say, oh, I love Jesus, but I'm just going to reject. No, I don't want to have anything to do with the Holy Spirit. It's the same foolishness. The amazing gift that we've started talking about the beginning of this series was something that Jesus modeled in his own life. When he walked on this earth as the, in full humanity, as fully God, fully human, and as he operated in his humanity, relying, depending upon the Holy Spirit, and the things that he did were empowered by the Spirit, and he was marked by the Spirit, we are told that he would be the one who would saturate, who would baptize those who would believe in him and follow This is the gift. You know, sometimes in giving a gift, you've probably seen it, where the person who's giving the gift, as as the other person is opening it up, they have to explain a little bit about what that gift is about so that that gift will be properly enjoyed and, and received. And in a sense, that's what we've tried to do a bit this morning explain a bit more about this gift so that you, you fully experience and know it and, and, and don't just pass it off. Yeah, I know, I know it. Check the intellectual box because that's not what it's to be about. There's so much more that we need to know and experience when it comes to the Holy Spirit. I was thinking about some of the gifts we give and how easy it is to pass them off in simplicity when there's so much more to them, like unpacking, unpacking a blender, You get a blender for Christmas and you go, oh, a blender. It's just a blender, right? But the person that's given it might be going, no, that's not a blender or just a blender. That's a $600 blender. It's a bread kneader. It's not just a blender. It's a food processor. It's an ice cream maker. It's a soup maker and heats your soup up. It does so many things. It's not just a blender, And yet that blender can just sit on the shelf dormant because you don't know all the things that it can do. If that can be true of a blender, how more sad would it be true if that's how we relate to the Holy Spirit? Not knowing all that the Holy Spirit is and what he does and that he would be dormant in our life. Has God stirred you up for more this morning? Would you want more of the Holy Spirit? This gift is a big deal to God. His prophets prophesied about it for centuries. The success of his church on mission and the success of your relationship with God is so much dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And so we read at the end of John's gospel in John chapter 20, Jesus has risen from the dead and he reappears to his disciples and he like walks through the walls because they've closed the doors, they've sealed themselves in because they're afraid of the Jews and of persecution. And Jesus walks in, and verse 21, he says to them, peace be with you. 
As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. So in sending them, and they're going to preach the gospel, for those who believe, their sins will be forgiven. For those who do not believe, they will be eternally held to their sin because they do not believe in Jesus. As Jesus had been sent on a mission, empowered by the Spirit, Jesus says, so now I am sending you on the same mission that I was on, and you need the Holy Spirit. So he breathes on them and says, receive. There's many different interpretations as to what happened in that moment. I think what we can know for sure is that the disciples did not experience, they did not experience the fullness of what God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit had intended for them. Because when we flip to Acts chapter 1, verse 4, after this point in time, they are still waiting for the promise. The promise is a person. This was still to be received because it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, that they were asked to wait until they would be endued with power from on high. They would receive the promise of God. And then for those of you that are familiar with your Bible, in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, there's this amazing part of history where there's a, a bunch of them in a prayer room and as they're praying to God and, and when the time fully came, the spirit, the promise, the one that the prophets had talked about came. And Luke, who's writing this history of the early church in, in the book of Acts, uses words like they were baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon them, they were filled, the Holy Spirit was poured out, and he shows how Peter got up and he preaches this powerful message, how this is the fulfillment of the prophet Joel who said the Spirit would be poured out on all flesh. And he talks about how this is the fulfillment of the words of David when he says he, he, th that God will not allow his Holy One to see corruption. And he says David is still dead and buried, but Jesus has been raised from the dead. He summarized what he preaches in Acts chapter 2, verse 32, pointing to two things. First of all, number one, that Jesus was resurrected. And secondly, resurrected, that he ascended to the right hand of the Father and as a result, he receives the Holy Spirit. Jesus receives the Holy Spirit from the Father. And he, Peter says, has poured out this, which you have seen and which you have heard. As these, as these group of disciples were speaking in languages they had never learned. And people were marveling at, was go, at what was going on in this powerful day of Pentecost. So Peter preaches this amazing message and the spirit is at work just like Jesus said, convicting people not to condemn them but to save them. So even those who had crucified Jesus, there's this message of grace that comes to them but they're convicted to the heart. It says in Acts 2 verse 37, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What do we do? And this is what Peter says to them, repent, repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. There's the pronouncement of the forgiveness of sins. 
even though they had crucified Jesus. I don't know how bad you think you may have done something that you could never be forgiven for. They had crucified Jesus, and Peter is proclaiming to them forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. It reaches to us. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. All those words, baptized, come upon, filled, poured out. Peter equates with this word, receive. Receive. Receive and be saturated with the Holy Spirit. We see that this is not all that Jesus had for the disciples later in Acts chapter 4 when they've been threatened with persecution. It says in chapter 4 verse 23, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them and they get on their knees and pray and what happens, it says in verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They were filled, they were baptized, and then they were filled, they were saturated again. Sometimes um, in Christendom we argue over how the Holy Spirit comes and how he fills people, and is it a one-stage experience? Is it two? We don't have time to walk our way through that this morning, but can I just ask you, I think the real question that matters is where are you right now in your relationship with God? Are you filled, are you saturated, are you overflowing with the Spirit right now because that's what God wants to do? We know that is the strategy of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit.